Starting a business isn't glamorous. Starting a business with no money, even more so. But Sharani and Robbie were a determined pair, working day in, day out to ensure that Griffith's Racing Stables was to be as successful a business endeavour as they'd hoped. Living in Filbert Court, a humble pocket of Cranbourne North, just south of Gippsland Highway, with none other than Philip Moore, Robbie and Sharani were perhaps the busiest they'd ever been. Sharani was working like three jobs, so it felt like that anyway. She was running the house, uh, running all the administration, the bookwork for our business, as well as Vaughan's. So she was absolutely flat out. I was flat out um, working in the stables, so was Sharani as well. Vaughan is Sharani's brother, a notable farrier who was establishing himself in his own right. The house on Filbert Court was full of bustling action and movement especially given that three of the four housemates all had horses, track work and the stables on the brain. But there was a fourth housemate, Melissa, Philby's significant other. She was a sales representative who slotted beautifully into Philby's life. Philbert Court was great actually. We, Melissa, Phil, Robbie and I were there. Uh, we all got along really well. Uh, Robbie, Phil and I would go back to the stables Daily, Melissa had a sales rep job, so uh, we'd take turns at cooking. Just work. When asked how and where Phil met Melissa, this was his recollection. Kelly's pub. <laughs> Big puffy hair. <laughs> That's what the go was then. It was all hair. Um, Big blue eyes. Before Melissa took Philby's breath away, Phil, Robbie and Shirani lived in an arrangement not dissimilar to you, me and Dupree. Phil being Dupree, of course. But it was time for Philby to settle down and he fell hard for Melissa that night at Kelly's pub. Cut one from the herd and... <laughs> and, um, yeah, 27 years, I think it is. But in all seriousness, the three young adults were slaving away. So much so that it was impossible to conceive a time when they'd be busier. That is, of course, until Sharani got pregnant. So we didn't really have time for um, a family. And next minute, Sharani was pregnant. We got the news once we uh, went to the doctors and uh, we were extremely excited because it's something that having a double wedding was the first thing that we'd actually done ourselves. We were very excited. We rang our families and broke the news that uh, we're going to have a baby. What Robbie means by that, after all the hype of their double wedding ceremony and the trajectory of their lives alongside Rodney and Kerry, he was excited that Sharani's pregnancy and their freedom to start a family was their very own milestone. It wasn't shared and it certainly wasn't going to be some kind of spectacle. It was a small sliver of normality. We were building our business and things were starting to grow in the business and Madison came along unexpectedly, really. I was 13 weeks pregnant before I found out that we were having her. It was an unbelievably exciting time for everybody, even though they were struggling to imagine how this would impact on the progression of Griffiths Racing Stables. With Shirani's mother and aunt close by, it made sense that raising Maddie would be a family affair. So Shirani was still able to throw herself into the stables alongside her husband and Philby. 
But Shirani's mother would be doubly busy, it turned out. In an unexpected turn of events, the same week Shirani found out she was pregnant, Kerry did too. The babies were to be expected around the same time, nine months later. Robbie's aim to carve himself away from the pack had well and truly failed. Yeah, it wasn't planned that way that you had you pregnant at the same time. Oh no, of yeah. course we didn't talk about it. But it <laughs> I remember saying, finally done something for ourselves, you know, finally done something. <laughs> I was on my way home from Bendigo races and Kerry rang me she said, how far away are you? I've been home. And I said, oh, I'm a good hour. I'm stuck in the traffic. And she said, oh, I'll meet you at the settlement for um, for a coffee. And I thought, oh, okay. So I met her there and she told me and and I rang Robbie and he said, oh, I wouldn't believe it. He said, I was just about to ring you. He said, Sharon's pregnant. No, we hadn't done it ourselves. I, could, I couldn't believe it. Rodney and Kerry were separated and a couple of weeks later, Kerry's really sick and apparently got the flu, <laughs> so we thought. So she goes to the doctors and the doctor says, Kerry, you haven't got the flu, you're pregnant. How could this happen? They're supposed to be separated. So next minute, uh, Kerry and Rodney are having a baby. <laughs> the universe had other plans for Robbie, it seemed, where it didn't want him to hog the family milestones all to himself. And so Kerry and Sharani's pregnancy progressed, the two sisters mirroring each other in timing. When push came to shove, quite literally speaking, Robbie and Sharani's daughter was born six days before Kerry and Rodney's son. The two pairs of parents had their respective Gemini babies during the same week. What are the odds? I thought, here we go again. Double wedding, double children. In a time of large expansion and hope, and with Robbie and Sharani's family growing, the young couple thought it apt to move from Filbert Court into something that had the space to grow with them in the future. The young couple were training out of the corner block on Bellato Road, but there was another vacant area on the back of an old, tired house on that same road, and Robbie saw promise in the lot. We acquired the, the block of land on the corner of Bellato Road and Nelson Street, which was a, a block of land that um, Shrani and I really admired. We were renting stables on the corner of Bellato Road, which is where we started with 18 stables. We were building the business and we used to use Bellato Road, um, not just for the stables where we rented, but we also used that road to rehabilitate the horses. We used to ride the horses down the road. When you don't have the financial freedom to sink money into promising pedigrees and auspicious yearlings, your relationship to the horses you do have becomes one of negotiation and trust, of growth and development. And Robbie and Sharani saw each horse that came into their stables, regardless of how much they cost or where they came from, as a star. They invested their time into rehabilitation, which is a game of patience. Um, we were only able to buy the property because um, my mum, Rosemary, had contributed um, to a third of the purchase price. We borrowed the rest and over a period of time we paid her back and um, without her we probably wouldn't have had the property. It had to be, you know, to suit where they could have the resources instead of renting the blood of road one there, which they did. So we, would, we looked around and there was nothing around. The only one we found was this one with the, it already had those 14 uh, stables, a stable block, and it was seven acres or something, so that was the only thing available, so we bought it. It was 
In ways similar to that of the horses they were training at the time, Robbie and Sharani approached their home in a comparable manner. They invested in it as a project, developing it with time and grace. On the back of the old house, where Rosemary was to live with Kerry and Kerry's newborn Ryan, Robbie and Sharani committed to building a small flat, a bungalow of sorts, where they'd live with their daughter. It was humble and small, but it was something. And, well, it had plumbing. The dirt road on Bellato Road was a makeshift way for Robbie, Philby and Sharani to exercise the horses and build strength in their legs, especially Spring Theme, who had delicate tendons. It was a community affair, though, and other trainers in Cranbourne, especially those that Robbie had grown up with, such as Mick Kent Sr., were able to offer a helping hand. Opposite um, the stables that we purchased, Michael Kent um, Sr., Mick Kent, had some stables that he was training from and had a uh, training track at his stables that I used to call into after doing road work and he used to let me um, use that and uh, as part of um, me rehabilitating Spring Theme. But Mick wasn't the only one from the area that got roped into the Griffiths Racing Project. Philby was recruiting in his own way. Probably one of the best things I'd done was get Ivan on board because I was stuck there one morning, no rider, because the boss hadn't turned up. Ivan was um, riding work for Langs at the time and had left, wanted to change. And he walked past and I said, oh, do you want to jump on one? And he goes, who for? And I said, Robbie Griffiths. And he goes, oh, I had a thought, think about it. I go, if you want to get paid, jump on. And that was that. And Ivan was there for till last year. Rodney was also riding quite regularly for Robbie at the time, having just arrived back from Ireland and in fine form. He appreciated Robbie's tenacity when it came to the older horses, all the horses that required rehabilitation. And he was quite involved, particularly when it came to Go Rami and Spring Theme. And Rob had a good team of horses and he always had them older horses that were really good, like Go Rami, Spring Theme. When asked what it was like to ride Go Rami, Rodney responded like this. Oh, he was beautiful to ride. He was a lovely big horse. It, uh, it was easy going. I, I went on him at um, Sandown one day, over a mile. I remember saying to Robbie, if I can get away running my first five in, in two or something, I know he'll ping home in 33. And I just led on him and, and, and he pinged home the exact times that we we said and just left them for, you know left them dead. He was a bit backwards as a baby, you know, he probably didn't start really racing until he was free anyway. Spring Theme was another one of Robbie's most notable horses during this period of his life and training career. He was acquired through Jeff Kemp, a man that Robbie had met whilst pursuing his career as a jockey. Robbie had ridden for Jeff a handful of times and during that time had established a strong rapport with him. And Jeff too had shown a vested interest in Robbie's career. Given that John, Robbie's father, was training a small group of horses at the time, Jeff, now very much associated with the family, would offer up some of his thoroughbreds to John. Jeff's association with the Griffiths embodied the essence of the racing community in the 90s, one bolstered by keen alliances, optimism and trust. And you could see the writing was on the wall that when, when I become a trainer that 
you could see that Jeff was going to support myself in whatever ventures that I was going to do. Any, any opportunity when I was a, a jockey, Jeff used to give me first option to ride the horses. When asked about Spring Theme, who he affectionately referred to as Rusty, Jeff was full of nostalgia and enthusiasm. And they're the best horse you I've ever had. He had the best nature. He even I used to keep him in the backyard, and he had a personality like no other horse I've ever had. Uh, he just that friendly, just unbelievable. One day. We were out the back, and because I used to let him in the backyard, he was the only horse I used to let in the backyard, and I had a mate born, and we are sitting down eating spaghetti bolognese, growing out the back, because it was a nice day, and uh, Spring Theme uh, ate, uh, put his head over and ate some of Bourne's spaghetti bolognese, and in the end, Bourne gave up, and Rusty, because his nickname was Rusty, then he ate the whole bloody lot. You couldn't imagine what sort of horse he was. I just, yeah. There's something you can hear in Jeff Kemp's voice. It's a devotion to the game and to the legends that make it what it is. It's love. Rusty is buried in the backyard at 27 years of age and is just as much a family member to him as any other animal or person has had on his life. As much as the early days were tough for a pair of ambitious trainers with no money, Robbie and Sharani's willingness and ability to invest in the life trajectories of the horses they came to train made a world of difference. It meant that they knew their horses intimately, they could appreciate their personalities, and they understood their needs. But it also meant something else, that when a horse was injured or worse, the pain was like no other. Soraya was the grand dam of Group 1 winning horse, the quarterback, a Metropolitan winner who Robbie and Sharani had trained. And with her success came the funds to expand their training establishment. This meant being able to afford and ultimately install a walking machine, a large piece of machinery designed to walk a handful of horses at the one time. As the stables were growing, it made sense at the time to ensure that the facilities were able to grow alongside it. Probably we'd only been using it a few days and we'd had another client's filly, a young filly by Dan Zero, that was gorgeous, beautiful, quiet, sweet-natured filly. And next minute, uh, one of our fillies, we heard her squeal. And the machine stopped, which is what it's designed to do and we raced around and she was under the outside wall and was sort of, she tried, she was laying there, so she'd obviously tried to get in between the wall and obviously um, had tried to get underneath it um, so her back was obviously wedged under the outside wall. We, we pulled her, we managed to get her into a loose box where she lay down and we, the staff and us and the vets took turns. We rostered shifts so that she was never alone. This was done after sedating the young filly so she wasn't able to hurt herself anymore. 
Robbie, Sharani and the rest of the team still had no idea what had happened or how. But every minute felt like a small eternity as they waited with the filly, terrified. She couldn't move in a normal fashion, so uh, we didn't know what... We knew she'd hurt something to do with her mobility, but the rug didn't seem to be damaged. And when we pulled the rug back, there was some hair disrupted on her spine, but there was no abrasions. We gently laid her in a comfortable position on the shavings so that we could monitor her. And we basically slept with her for 46 hours. The vet, um, Dr. John Cleland, who was fantastic, and um, myself and the staff, we all rotated and she had people with her non-stop. John said that um, if she doesn't stand up herself after sort of 46 to 48 hours, we're in trouble. But we really couldn't see why she wasn't moving properly because it looked, her body looked normal, but she wasn't moving her legs. With John's advice, despite his confusion, Robbie, Sharani and the others anticipated the filly had acquired bruising around the spine. Given that the filly was very young, only two years old, her bones were relatively fragile. So we did everything in our power and we did, we, we, we gently rotated her every so many hours so that we were basically her mobility, which is like you do in intensive care. 46 hours into the intensive care looking after her, she went into cardiac arrest. And uh, I was with her, with the vet, and he tried to save her with adrenaline and all sorts of things. Anyway, she passed away, and it was the saddest, most horrible thing. It was heartbreaking, but more so even um, was that the couple that owned her, Stewie and Karen McRobert, um, that she was their horses were their children. Um, beautiful, sweet filly. Uh, it all happened very quickly, so she was obviously in no pain. Um, that was the saving grace of the matter. It happened so quickly, but the hardest part was telling her. Um, bring to tear to my eye now actually. 20 years ago still. Um, it was so difficult to tell Karen and Stewie McRobert who um, were very, very, very dear friends and um, she, they bred her and she was, um, she was like their child half-sister to confederate kid and um, when you breed your horses their horses are like their children and um, I'll never forget it was so vivid in, in, in my mind because Shrani and I I was so exhausted being with her for the best part of 46 hours with Dr John Cleveland and um, Shrani said let's jump in the car drive the kangaroo ground and give Karen and Stewie a cuddle because, you know, they just lost one of the family, you know. As uh, soon as this happened, uh, Robbie and I got in the car and we drove up to Kangaroo Ground where they lived. We weren't really sure uh, how they were going to react, but, you know, my mother had always said in Sri Lanka they push you to the family so that you can be close to the people that have had the loss. And we went and it was probably the best thing we did because we sat there for, you know, into the late into the night and we watched videos, horse videos and talked. They were and, people too. Yeah. For every triumph in racing, there is a tragedy. And for the people on the front lines who spend every tireless moment with these gorgeous animals, 
be it feeding them spaghetti bolognese in their backyards or spraying stars onto their backsides before a race or giving them one extra sugar cube for no good reason for them. A loss in the stables is felt momentously. For them, it's not something you can ever just get used to. Each incident brings with it a new grief, a unique kind of sorrow, one that's an accepted but shocking part of working with animals. Each time tragedy struck, Robbie retreated into the young cheeky boy who wanted desperately to be a vet, who loved animals more than people. That's where the heart can be found in racing, in those soft and tender moments cradling a filly's head as she rests. The young filly who passed away after the incident on the walker wasn't the first tragedy that had struck the Griffiths racing stables and it wasn't going to be the last. One of their first horses, Upton Park, was found dead one morning by Philby after having a bout of colic during the evening. I remember saying to Robbie, I hope we never have to experience this again and him saying to me, this is part of what we're doing and you may have to get used to this. He won't be the first and he won't be the last. It's like the old saying, you got livestock, you got dead stock. Mm. It's just, yeah. You, you hope it never happens, but yeah, that's so, yeah. it's always around the corner somewhere along the line. But around the corner was also a plenitude of hope, vigour and fun. Around the corner was people's champion Dandy Kid and a grumpy grey horse giving his all at a shot at the Melbourne Cup. Around the corner was an ever-expanding team, including Philby's gruff old dad, Maury, Rhiannon and more. Around the corner was Soraya's legacy, found in the way the quarterback blitzed his way to win the Group 1 Newmarket Handicap. There were to be many tears of joy, of sadness, of overwhelm and exhaustion. And we've only just started the journey. I'm your host, Greg Miles, and thank you for listening to Understarter's Orders. If you're enjoying the story so far and you want to support this podcast from Griffiths Racing Stables, please leave a review on Apple iTunes or reach out to us and let us know your thoughts. Next time, we get to know Mooney Valley great dandy kid as Robbie takes us through his growing success during the late 1990s and meet some of the characters that join Robbie and Sharani in their pursuits. Let us show you the highs and lows of what it means to be involved in the sport of kings.